All right, good morning, everybody. And I thought I'd start this morning off with a little Avery County native there, uh, Brooke Aldridge, or whatever she used to be before she married Darren. Um, again, it snowed. And I apologize, we just, there's just no way to get up there. Uh, the main roads here are pretty slushy. Uh, our, our side roads, of course, are slick. Uh, they'll thaw out about July, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I'm just thankful that uh, we have an opportunity to keep going with the gospel. Even though we have inclement weather, uh, road conditions are bad, you guys can stay home in, in the safety of your home and still be able to uh, have a message brought to you this morning. The Lord's laid this on my heart uh, about looking at Jesus a little bit closer. Uh, we, we're, we're past Christmas and we're in between Christmas and Easter and it's in a time frame where we don't really think as much about Jesus because we look at His birth and then not too long later, we look at His death and the resurrection. But in between, we don't really preach as much about Him. It's kind of a, a time when a lot of preachers will, will go off into uh, different books of the Bible or they'll do uh, studies or things like that. But this morning, I want to look a little bit closer at Jesus Himself and, and some of the things that He reveals to us uh, by who He is and who He is, where He came from, who His Father is, who we are, who we're not, and just uh, try to tie that together and, and give you a little bit more comfort in knowing that Jesus is Jesus. He is the great I Am. He is the great comforter that we, we talk about often. He is all the things that we can ever imagine. And so this morning we're going to really uh, look at that through uh, the book of Hebrews uh, in Hebrews chapter 8. We'll just be in, in two verses or three verses, uh, 10, and 12, 10 through 12. Uh, but this morning as we, we open up and we'll get ready, just want to thank you all personally. Uh, for your prayers for Cody and my sister and brother-in-law, mother-nephew Cole, and the whole family. Uh, it, he's still down at Chapel Hill. He is um, he's doing a little bit better now. They put a pick line in uh, Friday so that they'll be able to give him his medicines and stuff directly uh, instead of trying to, to do it through IV or through uh, his mouth, the oral standard they've been doing. Um, he's not out of the woods yet. He has a, a long way to go to get through this because of the, the baclofen medicine that he was being given. Taking that away from him could uh, cause him to go into DTs, uh, or even uh, even cardiac issues, cardiac arrest. It really messes with your body. doesn't matter uh, what your medical condition is. It can really mess with you. So uh, continue to pray for Cody, uh, my sister, my brother-in-law. They've been down there with him uh, since Monday when it all took place. Um, and as I told y'all earlier this week, he does have staph infection from where uh, they filled his baclofen pump back up last week. That's where he got a staph infection. And he also has uh, meningitis as well. So he's got a lot going on. And I just pray uh, that the Lord would just heal him quickly. Get him back home with his family here. Uh, we miss him. We've uh, been able to FaceTime him, which is great. He loves to FaceTime. He loves to, to jabber on the phone. So that's been good. Uh, but continue to, to lift that family, our family up. And then we start about pressed another day. Uh, Preston guy, he is uh, he's walking a little bit now, and he's able to speak a little bit. He was able to tell his parents that he loved him the other day, so he's still in recovery down at Brenner's in uh, at, in Winston. So pray, just keep praying for Preston there and that family. Very, very God fearing family right there. They they know who is in control of this whole situation, and uh, it's just been amazing to watch their testimony grow on their little Facebook page that they got going. So that's been good too. And then. Um, the, the Emily Jones, it was in the wreck. Uh, from what I've been told, she's been in an induced uh, coma. 
uh, so that she can recover as well. So be praying for that family. Uh, uh, Emily was in a, uh, a bad wreck, I think, last Saturday or early Sunday morning right below Mike and Cindy's house um, and is in the hospital now. Uh, from what I understand, they have uh, put her in a coma so that she can recover. Her body can start healing itself. So pray for that as well. Uh, again, this morning we're going to be over in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 through 12. It's just something that I believe we need. I believe right now, here we are, this is the last uh, Sunday in, uh, in January. Can you believe we're already a month into 2021. And I think we kind of lose track of, of who Jesus is this time of year. And so we're going to look at it a little bit closer uh, this morning, who He is, and, and just get a closer look at Jesus Christ Himself. Now, if you think about people who take pictures, some people can take really good pictures. Some people cannot. I love to uh, for Maria to bring her phone over, and she'll show me pictures that Paisley's been taking uh, on her phone. And she, I mean, she absolutely eats up all the storage on Maria's phone just taking these random little silly pictures. Some people can take pictures, but some cannot take those pictures. They usually take pictures that are too far away from the object that they're shooting. So you might be trying to take a picture of a dog in a yard, but you're so far away that you really can't tell what it is. You can't make out that it's a dog. It might look like a cow or a calf or something down there. And and it's it's hard to see it until you print it. It looks good on your camera or your phone, whatever you're using to take the picture. It looks good and you know what you're trying to see. But when you develop that picture or you put it online or whatever you're doing with it, then people start asking, what is it? It's too far away. I can't figure out what it is. The object in the picture is too far away. I'm going to see where I'm going with this here in just a moment. Now in the Old Testament, there's this wide gap between God and man. There's this big distance between God and man. And we can't see the big picture. If we were to go back to that time frame and take a picture of God, we wouldn't get a very good picture of Him because He is in the distance in the Old Testament. Now He's close, but He's not as close as He is in the New Testament or after Jesus has come to earth and has been with us. So He's kind of off in, in a lot of people's minds, he's off in the distance. But in the New Testament, the person in the picture moves a lot closer. They get really close to him. Now, I was, I was going to run up to the camera and kind of scare you, but I didn't want everybody to throw up this morning while you're eating your pancakes. That's what he did. Jesus, God himself, through Jesus, got closer in the picture, got closer to mankind, got closer with each one of us. And so now, in the picture, we can see mankind and God together. Almost, no, it's identical to what we've seen in Genesis when you look at Adam and Eve and, and God. When they were walking together, after the fall of man, we see a distance. And then once we see that distance, uh, uh, we see, once we see the distance, or He sees the distance, at some point He says, alright, I've got to fix this now. And so He sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to be with us and then closes that gap or that distance down. God comes to us in the form of flesh and that is through Jesus Christ. And we get a much, much clearer picture of who God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. So the writer of Hebrews here wants to describe the picture that he took. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews is. I will tell you that it wasn't Paul. I will, I will tell you that. But whoever it was 
had a really good picture of who Jesus is and was, and he wanted to describe him to us. He wanted to paint us a pretty picture of Jesus so that we would get a better understanding of how much he loved us and who he really is. He wants to highlight the things that uh, we now can see clear since God got a little closer to us through His Son Jesus. He, he, he wants to uh, describe Him in detail for each one of us so that we will have a better understanding. We will have a better relationship with Him. You know how it is with the relationships. It's hard to have a relationship with someone that you don't know. Somebody that you don't understand. Once you start to understand them, once you start to know them, then you have this relationship with them. And it gets closer and closer. I wouldn't have married Maria if we hadn't dated for a couple years. It wouldn't work that way. I wouldn't want to marry somebody that I only met for a month because I didn't know them. I wanted to know her and I, did, I wanted to take it a, a, a further than that. I didn't want to know just Maria. <laughs> her parents. I wanted to know just I wanted to know one and I wanted to know Amy. And then, and then, and then I, it was a blessing. I got to meet her grandparents too. I got to know Mac and I got to know Reba. And then the extended family get to go out and look at her cousins and, and know them as well. So when we got married, I didn't just marry Maria. I married the whole family. And I knew them all. And that's how the writer of Hebrew wants us to look at Jesus. Is he wants us to see Jesus, understand Jesus, get to know Jesus, that way that we can have a better relationship with Jesus the way that He did. Makes sense, don't it? That's the way the relationships work. You gotta have a, you gotta understand them, you gotta know them before you can have that relationship. So today we're gonna to take a closer look at Jesus so that we can grow our relationship with him. If you've got your Bibles open, I've been told I can't tell pages of the printed pancakes now, because you don't eat pancakes anymore. So we're gonna be over in Hebrews chapter 8, verse um, 10 through 12. The Bible says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their righteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Let's pray. Father God, this morning as we open up, God, as, as we're again, we're, we're separated but we're together because we are here in Your name. So Lord, that brings us together. We're going to worship together. We're going to praise together. Uh, Lord, they may have been singing together this morning. I don't know. But God, this morning we are together because we are in Your presence. And I pray, Father God, that You would touch us today. Lord, and reveal Yourself to us. Let us know that You are still with us. Lord, I pray that You would touch the hearts of those that, thinks, that think that You may be somewhere out in, in left field or out there in the far distance. Lord, I pray that You would open up their eyes and their heart to let them see You right beside of them. Lord, and You're still right there with them and, and got them by the hand. And God, You're leading them through this whole world. And I pray, Lord God, that today someone will get a little bit closer relationship with Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, whether they're trying to narrow down the gap between them and Him, or Lord, if it's someone that doesn't even know Your Son, Jesus, Lord, I pray today would be that day. And God, we want to thank You. Lord, it's a gorgeous day outside. Love this snow. Love this weather. And Lord, we thank You for putting us here in what I want to call God's country. Lord, we're here 
and one of the most beautiful parts of the world, right here in the mountains of North Carolina. And we thank you for painting this picture for us this morning. There's a lot of white and a little gray, but Lord, it's so pretty. And we just want to thank you for it. And I pray, Lord, you keep everyone safe that's out in it. Be with our law enforcement, emergency services, uh, DOT, Lord, as they're out doing their job, scraping roads and putting down the slag. And Lord, all the linemen and everyone else is having to be involved. Uh, in the snow today, Lord. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty thing, but it's a dangerous thing. So, Lord, protect them. Place a hedge of protection around each one of them and bring them back home safely to their families. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you. All in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, church. So, as I said, we're going to get a, a closer look at Jesus this morning. Uh, just to, I think about that song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. We want a closer walk with Jesus, so we gotta we gotta understand Him a little bit better. We need to, to build that relationship, so we gotta have a better understanding of who He is. So the first thing we'll look at this morning, a closer look at Jesus, reveals that He supplied us with the power to make right choices. He gave us the the power to make decisions. He gave us free will. We can figure out what's right and what's wrong through the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide us through that. But He he gave us that power to make the right choices. He wants us to make the choices that would be pleasing to Him. That's what He wants from us. Back in verse 10 it says, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Now I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of internal motivations. What they do to us is they move us to action because um, they're more powerful than the external motivation. So you've got an internal motivation which is inside of you and then you have an external motivation which is someone or something that's telling you what you need to do, trying to motivate you to do something right or to do something else. Uh, think of it like this. There's a family of an addict, whether it's a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever it may be, but the family members of that addict, what do they do? They push them. You gotta do better, you gotta do better, you gotta get clean, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. They push them. That's an external motivation. And a lot of times, external motivations make the person that they're talking to uh, turn bitter towards them or turn away from them, ignore them, do what they're doing wrong, and do it more. I don't know if y'all know what I'm talking about there, but I'm, I'm not one of those people that like to be told you can't do something because I'm probably going to do it. And that's what these people, what's what happens with the external motivation sometimes is with the addicts is they got family and they're saying, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And the more they push it, the more that addict is going to want to do it because they're going to try to prove them wrong and they're going to try to prove themselves to them. And so a lot of times external motivation, it doesn't work. Uh, but uh, when the addict realizes that they might lose their family, when that addict realizes that their health is in jeopardy and, and if they don't stop using or drinking or whatever they're doing, uh, that's that internal motivation because it's clicking inside of them. It is the Holy Spirit inside of them telling them you've got to get things right. You've got to change things. So that is the internal motivation. Internal motivation pushes us. And I praise God that when when His Son Jesus Christ went back to heaven, that He did not leave us comfortless like the Bible says. I thank God that He left the Spirit here with us to help us make our decisions, to give us the power to make the decisions that we need to make. That's that's, that's powerful. And And that can change a person. If they have that Holy Spirit inside of them, it can motivate them internally 
to do the right things. Now in the Old Testament, those saints in the Old Testament, they had to be some very special people. If you think about them, if you go back in the Old Testament and read about so many of these men and women in the Old Testament, they were special. All they had was an external motivation to have a relationship with God. And they chose that relationship. It was external. But they chose to have a relationship with God. We who are on this side of the cross, we who are in this New Testament church, we who have been saved by God's good grace through putting our faith and trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, we have something different. We have an internal motivation. We have Jesus in our lives because we have that relationship with Him. John 6, 44 says, No man can come to Me except the Father which hath sent Me draw him. That drawing. That's how we're saved. We're drawn. Alright? And I talk about it a lot, I know, but I, I, I really, it really bothers me because there are so many individuals in this world that have been drugged to the altar to be saved. Instead of being drawn by the Holy Spirit, instead of because it's right here, it tells us right here, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. So the Father draws them unto salvation. But there's so many people that grew up that their father, their earthly father, or their earthly mother has drugged them to the altar to be saved. You will be saved today. We're not leaving this church till you give your heart to Jesus. Those are false. That's false salvation. They do it to please their parents. They were not drawn by the Holy Spirit into salvation. They were drugged to the altar for a false salvation. So we've got to be careful with that. We can't be dragging folks around to the altar saying, you ain't leaving until you get saved. My heart's desire, and every Christian, every preacher I've ever met, that's their desire, is to see everyone saved. That is biblical. That's what Jesus said. That's His heart's desire. He wants to see everybody saved, but He gave us all free will so that we can make that decision to be saved. He, can't, he didn't just wave a wand and say, all right, all of earth, you're going to be saved. See you in a couple years, a thousand years, whatever it might be. Uh, when, when I come back to get to church. He didn't say that. He, he said that He was going to allow us to make that decision. What do you want to do with your life? Would you like to receive Him or reject Him? He said, it's up to you. You make that decision. With us, we know we have not met God's standards. We never will. Only one did, and that was Jesus. But we can strive to do better. We can strive to meet His standards. We can strive to follow the commandments. We can strive to sin less. We can, we can strive to love more. We can strive to meet God's standards, but we're never going to meet God's standards completely. It, it's not a set of, of external do's and don'ts that we're looking at to know that we need God. I know I need God. I knew I needed God when I got saved and from that point on, I still know I need God daily. We all do. I need God in my, my heart uh, and, and I know that and my heart keeps telling me that through the, the Holy Spirit. He tells me, you can't do this alone, why don't you ask the Father? You can't handle this on your own, why don't you ask for some help, some heavenly help. For a person to not accept Jesus as their Savior, they have had to dull down their conscience so that nothing bothers them. They've got to a point where they have rejected Him and rejected Him and rejected them and now God has turned them over to a reprobate mind that the Bible talks about. And it's, just, it's a point of no return. 
And so they've missed it. They've missed the mark. They've missed salvation because they've rejected so many times. Got to be careful. We've got to not drag people to an altar. We can't, we can't uh, cram Jesus down their throat because we're going to cause them to reject Him to the point uh, of a reprobate mind and then it's just too late. We've got to be careful with that. Now number two, a closer look at Jesus reveals that He is a very personal God who takes an active role in our lives. Verse uh, 10 again, it says, I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. We all have these distant relatives. You know what I'm talking about. We have those relatives. We have them typically the only time we ever see them is at a funeral when somebody in the family has died. I, I remember growing up uh, before my grandma Macy Bullock passed away. Uh, well, they still do it some. But they used to have these family reunions. And I remember going to these family reunions and there would be uh, almost 200 people at these reunions. When you have as many youngins as her and my grandpa Vernon had, uh, you tend to have a lot of cousins, a lot of distant relatives out there. And I remember those, those distant relatives. And, and, and uh, thankfully, you know, because of social media and technology nowadays, we're a little bit closer than we used to be because we can communicate online now. But those distant relatives are connected to us in some way. Through blood, through bloodline, they're connected to us, but they are really not that involved in our lives, unless they're the nosy cousins that everybody's got. You know who I'm talking about. They're not really involved in our lives. They're just somewhere out in the distance. That's why we call them distant relatives. They're just somewhere out there, and then every now and then we might get to see them. What you need to understand about God is this. He don't want to be a distant relative of yours. He wants to be your Heavenly Father. He wants to have that relationship with you. He doesn't want to just see you when you're in need. He wants to see you whenever you're rejoicing. He wants to see you when you're happy. He wants to see you when you're having the good day. Not just when you're having the bad day. Just not when you're in, having times of turmoil. Not just whenever things are not looking the best and you start to cry out for Him or to Him. He wants to see you all the time, good and bad. Don't let Him be your distant relative that you only call on when you need something. Because we've all got those cousins too. The ones that, uh, that might be a plumber or electrician or work in HVAC or whatever and you don't ever call them until you need them. You know what I'm talking about. Don't make God that relative. Don't make God the person that you only call on when you need something. Make Him the one that you talk to on a daily basis. Remember that. He don't want to be like that distant relative. He has made a commitment to us that He's going to be involved in our life when He says, listen, I will be to them a God. He's making it personal. He's having a personal relationship with each one of us. I'm going to be a personal God to you is what He's telling us. The problem is never with God. The problem is never with God. But sometimes there's a problem with me. Sometimes there's a problem with you. And so, us having that problem sometimes makes us think that there's a problem with God. God said, it ain't me, it's you. You've got the problem. Sometimes we push God to the back seat of our life. Sometimes we take God and we put Him in a little box and we set Him up here in the corner shelf until we need Him again. That ain't God's fault. That's our fault. Sometimes we think that we can take over and do a better job than God. So we just kind of brush Him under the rug and, and then we don't clean it up or we don't pull Him back out until we need Him. Sometimes we want to go periods of time where we just want to ignore Him. Like He's not even there. 
That's not what He wants. He wants to be a personal God. He wants to be that loving God. He wants to have a relationship with you because the Bible says plainly, right here He says, and their sin, I'm sorry, back up here, I missed it. I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. He wants to be. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your personal God. You have a relationship with you. That's all He wants is to have that relationship with you. But it's up to you to receive that. He never stops being my God. But sometimes I stop acting like one of His children. He's never stopped being my God. He's never stopped being your God. He didn't hang His hat up and wash His hands with us and say, I'm through, I can't take it no more. But what did He do? He says, I forgive you. I forgive you. He wants it to be personal with us. He is so faithful and He's patient with each one of us. Now, number three, a closer look at Jesus reveals that He took forgiven a step further by forgetting our sins. Took it a step further. Look at verse 12 again. It says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. I love that right there. It would have just been fine if God had just forgiven our sins, would it? If we'd have just said, Lord, forgive us where we have failed you. And He said, okay, you're forgiven. That would have been great, wouldn't it? But He took it a step further. He went the, he went the extra mile. And He says, okay, I forgive you and now I'm going to forget it. I'm going to let it go. When Jesus comes up close, we find that He forgets those sins. Not only did He forgive them, but He has forgiven them. Or for, He forgiven them and then He forgets them. Sorry. He remembers it like it never existed. Like it never happened. He loves us that much. I, I was thinking about this that slogan for uh, Serve Pro. Their slogan is, like it never even happened. Like it never even happened. That would be God's slogan when it comes to forgiving our sins. Like it never even happened. Micah 7.19 says, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And Thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Into the depths of the sea. He has cast them out to be remembered no more. Ain't that, ain't that beautiful? The fact that He can forgive us and then let it go. Cast it out into that sea. If I brought up sin right now, if I was to go to God and say, God, you remember this sin that I confessed to you and you forgave me for? God said, no. What sin? That's the way He would approach us. Lord, do you remember that time when I done this thing and then, and then I asked you to forgive me for what I did? No. I don't know what you're talking about. Because He forgets it. He lets it go. He puts it aside. And He doesn't bring it back up like we do. We can remember things from 40 years ago that somebody done to us and we will always bring it back up when they do something to us, when they say something to us or, or whatever. We're going to bring it back up. God don't want us to do that because He doesn't do that. He truly does not remember it anymore. Period. Only God has that ability to forgive and to forget. And He wants us to do it, but we have a hard time doing that. We can forgive somebody. It's a lip service. Yeah, I forgive you. 
Well, half the time we never mean it. Yeah, I forgive you. But we don't ever forget it. As a Christian, we have the ability to forgive, but we struggle with the power to forget. It is so hard for us. And this may step on toes this morning. I don't know, but we do all have that, that struggle. That struggle bus is packed full when it comes to forgiving and forgetting when it comes to people that have done us wrong or where we've done someone else wrong. When we forgive, we just can't let that offense still control us. We can't let it eat us up. We've got to let it go. If I have truly forgiven that offense or that sin committed against me, uh, that should not have power over me. We should let it go and not let it eat at us. It will make you a miserable person. Let it go. Some people seem to have the hardest time forgiving themselves. It ain't just forgiving others where they've done you wrong. Sometimes you've done something and you can't forgive yourself. Let that go. Let it go. Don't harp on it. Don't, don't let it hinder you. Don't let it drag you down. Forgive and forget. The fence that, that that person maybe has a, committed against you, that sin that they've committed against you seems to just haunt them day and night because they won't let it go. What we're saying is that that sin still has power over you. When you don't let it go, that sin that was committed against you or that you committed against somebody else, what you're telling yourself is that sin still has power over you. When you ask for forgiveness, you get it. And He forgets it. When you, someone asks for forgiveness from you, you need to forgive it, and then you need to forget it because you're going to let it weigh you down. That, that sin, if you don't forget it, that sin is going to have power over you. And you don't want that. You don't need that. It's going to make you a miserable person. Forgive and forget. So I'm going to give you a couple words of encouragement this morning before we close out. Jesus died on the cross to break the power that sin has over you. So that's why you need to forgive and forget. Because He died so that it would give you power over sin. So that you can conquer the things of this world. So that you can live freely. So that you can have life everlasting. Remember that. He died to give you the power to forgive and forget. So if God doesn't remember it, why should we? If God can't remember what He forgave you for, why should we? There's no reason for us to hang on to it. When we take a closer look at Jesus, we see some pretty great things. When you really put Him under a microscope, that relationship with Him gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Remember that. He is he's nothing but goodness. He's nothing but greatness. He's nothing but love and mercy and faithfulness. He's long-suffering as the Bible says. Remember that. The closer you look at Him, you're going to see more and more great things about Him. He supplied us with the power to give us an internal motivation. Thank God that when He was resurrected and whenever He came back and He tarried on earth for a little bit longer and then He said, i got to go home. i got to go to heaven. I thank God that He said, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He gave us an internal motivation. And that internal motivation is the Holy Spirit so that we can make right, sound decisions. So remember that as well. And thank Him for it, that we have that. And He shows us that He wants a close personal relationship with each one of us. Every single person. 
He wants. He doesn't want anybody to suffer and go to hell. But He's also given us the option to make the choice. You can receive Him or reject Him. But He's gave us that power. He shows us that He wants that relationship. You can have it or not. It's totally up to you. He tells us that He will take forgiveness to a higher level by forgetting all our sins that we have confessed to Him. He takes it a step further. Like I said, He don't just forgive. He takes it up a notch and then He forgets. And He says you need to do the same or you're going to be a miserable person. Do the same thing. Let's pray. Father, this evening as, a, as we close out, again, God, we thank You for this time that we've had together. And Lord, I hope that it's been a help to someone that's listening. God, we want to thank You for we've seen Your mercy this week. We want to see, or thank You for we've seen Your healing hand, Lord, where we have seen Your comfort when we needed it. Uh, God, we thank You for uh, the work that You have done in, uh, in Preston's life today. God, we thank You for the work that You have done in Cody's life today. Lord, we thank You where You are working in Emily's life today. God, th these are three young people. These are three young people that we're seeing the miraculous being done in their lives right now. And Father, we, we can't do nothing but give You praise for it. Lord, I pray that You continue to do that great work in their lives. Lord, I pray that these family members can look upon uh, these miracles that You're working and that they see Your face and that they know You're in control. And God, I thank You for that. And I thank You for being the loving, merciful God that You are and providing the way that You provide on a daily basis for each one of us. And God, I pray as we go into this new week that You would protect us, keep us safe. Father, a lot going on this week. We're going into a new month. We're, we're looking at different things coming down the pike for uh, so many people uh, around us. And I pray, Lord, You, you, would, you would touch us. Lord, uh, this week I know myself and a few others at the church, we, we're getting ready to take our second round of that uh, vaccination. God, I pray that You would uh, have a healing hand on our shoulder, literally, as we take this because it sounds like the side effects... Uh, not too pretty. But Lord, I pray that you would just be with us and, and know that we're, we're trying to do the right thing uh, by doing this. And, and I hope and pray, Lord, that it is the right thing. And Lord, again, I thank you for uh, what you've done, where you've provided, where you've helped. And uh, God, I look forward to what you have in store for us this week. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. All this in your son's sweet, holy, and precious name we pray. Amen. All right, church, I do hope you have a great Sunday, the rest of your Sunday. And I'll be back on here uh, tomorrow morning with uh, devotion.